I'm Wes Shank, the host of the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. We hope you'll enjoy our discussions on renewable energy and the products that make that possible. Thank you for downloading our podcast, and we hope you'll subscribe. David and I are here with Sam Buffington today, and Sam's one of our newest salespeople. And one of the really cool things about Sam is Sam is the owner of a tiny house. And so we wanted to get him in here with us and hit him with a bunch of questions. I know our audience is uh, has questions about that. I know a lot of our audience uh, probably has some. And, and Sam, you even corrected me the other day. Mm-hmm. I said tiny house, you said it's a micro house. Yeah, more, so than, more than 500 I'm, square feet, just just barely. <laughs> so let's spend some time today and uh, let's talk about that. And tell us kind of how did you get how did you get started with that? Is that something you had had planned on doing, or did you just kind of end up there? Did did you? It, it was it was kind of a, a mix of, of those two. Um, it always been kind of a dream to be able to live over here and live off grid. And it always seemed like it was going to be too far away, you know. And as it, as it turned out, my wife and I, our home back in our in our home state of Illinois, was falling apart. And we managed to, uh, you know, we got to the point where it was like, well, we need a new home. We cannot continue to live here anymore. It, it's getting dangerous. And we looked for a place to live. Couldn't find one that wasn't going to cost us $150,000 or more. And so what we ended up doing was my father had had some property. And he said, you know, if you want to build there, you, I'll sell it to you you can build there and for the longest time it had this little 500 square foot hunting cabin on it and that's what we wound up moving into and you know it, it was one of those deals where we, we really enjoy it actually it's surprising how uh, how much you find out you don't need whenever you get rid of you know whenever you go from a 1500 square foot home to something like that you, you find out what's important in life and as far as you know your, your initial question of was it something I planned I had planned to do it but not as rapidly as I wound up having to do it so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm still getting rid of because I find I just don't need it. Of course, we're going to be interested in finding out about your energy needs and how mm-hmm. you how you came across that. So are you, you're totally off-grid? Yes, we are 100% off-grid. We haul our own water. All our electricity is generated by solar. Um, for the longest time, this place ran on a real little two-panel 12-volt system. Um, it just had, you know, just a deep cycle marine battery and two solar panels, and that powered the thing for a real long time. And I played with it, and we had an inverter and this and that. And we we did some math because we're, we're a third of a mile off a rural highway, and it was going to cost us about $8,000 to run power back to get to our home. And in order to do that, we either needed a 1,000-square-foot foundation or we needed a well drilled. And after selling our home for, you know, a pittance of, you know, what it would be worth if it was in good condition, we had enough money to either drill a well and get a power bill or buy a solar array that was going to take care of our power needs and then save up to drill a well later. And we chose to go ahead and go with alternative energy so that we wouldn't have a light bill again. And, you know, that was one of those things we thought about a lot. And we asked our neighbors and they said, you know, in the wintertime, we've had times where we were without power for two weeks. Ice storm blows through, knocks stuff out, and I didn't want to have to deal with that. I wanted that freedom to be able to take care of myself in that situation. But with that said, any mistake you make living off-grid, it is amplified. You know, you forget to, to turn your water off in your kitchen, and now all of a sudden you're out. It, but it's rewarding at the same time. 
how did you plan through this? Have you um, got have you got a master I, plan? Is, yeah, are the you, master are you plan. Done? Oh, how we're, are you? we're not done yet. Um, the master plan is going to be to build a basement under this home eventually, um, but that won't be until we have children. We're a young couple. We have two dogs. That for us right now is just fine. As far as the master plan goes, we're going to continue to stick with living off grid for the rest of our lives. That's just the way we want to be with that. As far as energy needs, I designed this bigger system around the goal of needing 220 split phase power. Because I'm like, you know, the home that was there, it already was wired so that you could plug a 220 generator into it. So that makes the, the breaker box a, a real simple situation for me. It's just plug and play. Um, as far as energy needs in the future, I said I need a deep well and I'm going to need some sort of a shop. So I might need to run an air compressor and things of that nature. And I kind of based my power consumption off of that and work backwards, which is the same way we do it here at Missouri Wind and Solar. You know, it's like, what are your power needs for the day? And then we go backwards and make what you need exactly. And that was what I did with my system at home. So what did you start out running to begin with? What are the... To begin with, the I was like, well, you know, what are my primary loads? I said I'm going to need a deep freeze and a refrigerator and a microwave. You know, those are my, my primary loads right now. And so that put me at only needing like a 1,000 watts a day, you know, nothing or a 1,000 watts worth of panels, and that wasn't a big deal. But then I was like, well, when I go to a deep well, if I run a well for an hour, that's 2,500 watts easy. And if I have cloudy days or whatever, I need to make sure that I have power for three or four days without having to run my generator. And I found out before I installed this 24-volt system, when I was, I was relying really heavily on my 12-volt system, that uh, I needed my generator if I had one cloudy day. And, I'm, and I knew that I didn't want to be that way when I was having to live here full time. So that was an immediate thing that I made, that I made sure to budget for was three days worth of autonomy. So I was going to say, well, how much autonomy do you have? So you said three days? I have three days worth right now. And that's, okay. which realistically, that's three days once I get my well in. Right now, I, I could probably go for a week without having to worry about it at all. I, I, you know, the, the sun could be blacked out in the sky, and it's not going to matter to me for a week. And, and that's you running your refrigerator? That's refrigerator, deep freeze. Deep freeze. And, you know, what I did there, um, I actually found an external thermostat for my deep freeze um, that allowed me to convert a deep freeze into a refrigerator. Okay. Um, I don't believe that's a product we carry, but I know I've spoken with you about trying to find out about yeah. that. Um, it was, we've really had good luck with it in our home. You know, I was able to take a five cubic foot deep freeze, and I, I draw 500 watts out of it for my electrical consumption out of that. I've hit everything with a kilowatt meter, so I know exactly what's going on in my home. The kilowatt meter strikes again. Tell me what you did here now you, um, with an external. I found an external thermostat. It's an analog type thermostat with a, capil with a copper capillary tube. And I, uh, I used some heating and air tape and taped that into the dead middle of my, of my what's the deep freeze, basically. It's the refrigerator in the kitchen. And I mounted the, I screwed that to the wall and plug it into my inverter. And then I plug my deep freeze directly into that. And it will cycle the power back and forth to the deep freeze to keep it at, I keep mine at 40. So the way it works out, if I have a gallon jug of milk in the very bottom, it might have a little bit of an ice chunk. And anything at the top, it's sitting at 45 for fresh vegetables in a basket. And right there in the middle, it's in you know plastic containers for leftovers and meats, and it, it works great. I mean, it, the, hmm, the thermostat itself wasn't terribly expensive. I think it was less than fifty dollars. Hmm. It's interesting. That's a that's a great use of uh, great use of resources. Yeah. So solar energy. That's right now what you're that you're running on. You have no yeah. wind. No wind. I have, I have no wind, it. and I would like to have wind. But well, we've got a resource yeah. for mm -hmm. that, and yeah. we can probably hook you up. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can I can sell it to you here in just about ten minutes if you want to. <laughs> take it take it right out of my first paycheck. Right. 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 We can so, uh, we can have you just work for material effort. <laughs> well, that that might be something we work out. <laughs> now one of the things that came up here and it's probably needs to be I'm sure it's probably a subject for a whole separate podcast, period, is you've chosen twenty four volt mm -hmm. and right. you've talked about replacing um, the twelve volt system there. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you chose a 24-volt system. Um, and then, yeah, I I based then, it, then we're going to go even further on yep. that is why big picture. Because um, my, my basis for 24-volt and not 48-volt, which is what you would expect in a situation like this, it was, it was a cost averaging over my power consumption versus the inverter price. So whenever I was looking at the right. Ames inverters, what I wanted was an Ames inverter that was 6,000-watt split-phase power. But the only option I had for that was 24 volt. They didn't offer right. 48 volt, and I was going to have to double my inverter price. And whenever I averaged it all out with the cost of cabling needing to be bigger and everything, it was still about 700 bucks that I was going to have to spend extra. And I decided that I was better off to spend that money buying a water tank and burying water lines and getting a water pump in so that I have water that won't freeze in the winter. Right. And so I, that allowed me to design my system and save myself basically a grand and get that much more done of what I needed to do. All right, you still shot over my head, which is not so, a big, big surprise. So, so what, why, why are we going to choose a 12 volt, or excuse me, a 24 volt system over a 12 and a 48 over a... comes to efficiency. Efficiency. It's efficiency. I, I, you just Let's just break it down easy enough uh, for anybody to understand this, listen to our podcast. You have a number of 120 volts or 240 volts, and that's normal grid power. Mm -hmm. uh, the closer I can be to that number, the more efficiently I can change it to that number. So if I'm at 12 volt, it's I'm having to change it 10 times mm -hmm. to get to 120 volts. Whereas I'm at 24 volts, I'm only going to have to change that five times. Mm -hmm. Half, I'm, I'm twice as efficient on a 20. I am four times mm -hmm. efficient on a 48 volt mm -hmm. uh, because I've only got to change that two and a half times uh, to get to that higher number. Okay, so where I come back to is though, all right, the normal. A normal car, car battery, mm -hmm. normal RV, we're talking 12, 14 volts, right? 12 volt. Uh -huh. 12 volt battery. No. Okay. Then, and that makes sense to me because that's what the battery is on that, mm -hmm. on the vehicle. Right. And then a normal home, you're talking typically 110, 120 coming through the wall, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Normal grid power is 120 so, volt. Mm -hmm. why is, why is 12 as popular as it is? It was, and why is there even 24? Why would you not just have it, 12 just a and then 48 or something higher than 48 even? Because it's a matter just like Sam has come up with. I mean, 24 is kind of that middle ground of five. If I don't need any more than you know five to 6,000 watts of power, and I'm doing that on a 24 volt, then I'm going to be running somewhere upwards of about a 200 amp coming across mm -hmm. my line. And that's about, as, that's about as big as we want to be trying to convert as 200 amp over mm -hmm. to running through our inverter lines from well, our battery what's a, bank. What's a 48? A 48 volt. Out. A 48 volt, see what I'm only pulling, pulling 50 amps. Mm -hmm. I'm pulling half the amperage. So I can do that with a lot smaller wire size. You know, mm -hmm. we've talked about wire size a lot in the past, but we can do that with a lot smaller. No, we haven't talked about wire size. To. We're going to. We're going to. Uh, that's going to be on our next podcast. But, uh, <laughs> so the wire sizing comes into play. So uh, like Sam was saying, he, he did the math before he, before he decided to purchase. Uh, and once he figured out that he did the math of he's going to have to buy 
X cable to run the 24 volt, pay a two aught on the, on his. I think it's probably a two or four. Mine's aught. actually four aught. Uh, four yeah, aught on the that 6,000. That's going to be a four aught cable. Whereas he went to a 48 volt in the 6,000, he would have had this maybe run a number two cable. So a lot smaller cable. So his wire cost would have went down if he could have found that same inverter in the same voltage. He could have reduced his cost mm -hmm. just by, but in the, now, now here comes the trade-off. Remember, there's always a trade-off. All right. He has to double his battery bank to increase to mm -hmm. 48 volt versus 24 volt. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of people, because batteries cost, that's one of your major costs in an off-grid mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So instead of now having to replace eight batteries every time or, or add eight batteries to the system if I want to grow, I only have to do it in multiples of four. 12 volt, I've only had to do it multiples of two. So that becomes a big part in a lot of our off-grid families, uh, smaller, tiny homes, micro homes. Uh, you, that's the deal. They don't, maybe they don't have a space for eight batteries in their system. They only have a space for, for four. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's what they're coming along with there. How does cost play into this overall too? Right. Uh, in, in, a, in the, Obviously, if you're doubling your batteries, it costs twice as much. That's right. Mm -hmm. But but how does that how does that play into does the does the 12 versus 24 versus 48? Are we talking a significant difference in each one of those units? It has a limit too in terms of the output capacity of your charge controller right. because your 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 amperage rating on your charge controller stays pretty much the same across any voltage range, but you have to consider the voltage range of your battery bank. So you know if you've got 12 volt system and it's you're putting 80 amps into it you're looking at what about a thousand watts is your maximum capacity 80 amps yeah, yeah, you're, looking, yeah you're, you're right there and then if you and in my case you know i doubled that so i've got 2,000 watts worth of panels and i can dump all 80 amps of that right into my battery bank at any given time right. and that was where that that cutoff point came because i'm like that's all the power i need that's that's why you do that because if, if you if i went with a 48 volt i could have had twice the amount of power going in again but i didn't need it yeah, so like our Midnight Classic charge controller, or MPPT charge controller, uh, one of the one of the nicest controllers we sell. It's a 96 mm -hmm. amp maximum rating, so I can I know the number, so I can break it down for you real quick. Uh, you can do right at a thousand watts of panels into that, actually at about 1100 watts, 1120 watts of panels into that controller on 12 volt. I double that for. 24 volt and I go four times that for 48 volt. So if if my needs say that I need nine panels, then I'm either gonna to have to buy three charge controllers or jump up to the 24 volt. Okay. Well, it's a lot more cost offensive for me to just see one charge controller, jump, mm -hmm. add two more batteries to the system, and I stay way under what I was gonna pay for, for, for what I was gonna pay for another charge controller. Mm -hmm. no, or actually two charge controllers. In the same way in 48 volt, if I find that I'm gonna need 12, panels in my system, it's cheaper for me to go ahead and just buy those other four batteries and have that much more storage power and have one controller doing all the work. It, it seems very large and I can't ever understand it all and it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of the math. It's the universal language, and, it's math. You know? And one of so. the unfortunate things, if I'm understanding you properly, is unfortunate is that it isn't a grow with me kind of thing. You can't buy the 48 and grow into it, you got to buy the 48 and be ready for it then, right? You have to have the, the, the there again, the minimal starting battery bank, so you have to have the right. eight batteries. Right. You have to have, but you can you could start out with eight panels mm -hmm. and grow into the 18 panels that it can hold. Mm -hmm. 
You could start out that way, yes. But you're going to have to start out. You could, you could actually start with the eight batteries and start with two panels. You know, Sam could have started with two panels, mm -hmm. but he's got to start out with that minimum voltage battery bank. The batteries got to start right. out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your batteries, batteries have gotta, to start there. Mm -hmm. That's right. Your batteries. Because most controllers look at the batteries. They they base everything off of what the battery voltage is. They're not basing anything off of what the panel voltage are. An MPPT controller, remember, can take, uh, well, we have the, the classic 150, the 200, and the 250. They can, that tells you that they can take up to 150 volts to 200 volts input or 250 volts input mm -hmm. and then change that back to whatever that battery bank is saying that it needs. It, it converts it back to an MPPT controller. Uh, so it can take super high voltage and then, okay, the battery needs this in 48 volt or the battery needs this in 24 volt or it needs it in 12 volt. Uh, and it can even do 72 volt, which is something that's totally out of our uh, or 36 volt. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it understands these different deals, and it knows that by just hooking the battery to the controller. It activates the controller, mm -hmm. uh, and that controller is is programmed and is smart enough to say, okay, this is a 24 volt bank. I'll convert all the energy over to to charge in this 24 volt bank now. So, so coming back over to you, mm -hmm. Sam, when you started your the project. Did you look at any particular sites? Did you go in a particular place, or did you did I, you have the knowledge kind of to put this together on I mean, your own? I mean, in my previous industry, I I'd had you know before I came here to work in sales, I'd done machining, welding, a little bit of fabricating, and electrical wiring. So I felt pretty comfortable, especially after doing some research and looking at some videos from you guys and other people. That I was like, you know what, I I can do this. And whenever I started sourcing stuff, I you know in my situation, I went everywhere. I said, hey, you know. Missouri Wind and Solar's got the best price on the Classic 150. That's what I want. Hey, you know, I just found a smoking deal on panels on eBay. So that was kind of how I did it. I, I can say looking back that the five or 600 bucks I saved, I probably would have been better off to come here and just have a system designed for me just because it would have saved me a week worth of math and looking and the different sources for shipping and all this stuff. But it, it worked out okay for me, and it, does it doing that myself definitely helped me in terms of coming here because I get an idea, you know, of what people need. I'm not as quick as the other guys are at it yet, but I know pretty well what's going on with everything. So have you got a, a an overall plan where you're headed to? Yeah, you... um, yeah. We, we were talking earlier about you know what the whole the, what the game plan is for the place. Um, eventually, we'd like to have it be you know pretty much a completely off grid homestead type thing where in a couple of years my folks are going to retire and they want to move over there as well. So when that happens and they sell their home in Illinois, they intend to build a home on part of the property and they'll probably install their own solar and potentially wind array based upon the site that they've chosen to maybe build. I would like to go ahead and th there's a spring on the property that I'd like to develop and I'll probably use one of our DC pumps here to pump water back up to me there as far as a deep well goes to provide water so that we could maybe eventually raise animals that'll be something that'll be a year or two down the road and in my situation I'm gonna have to you know I, I ask my neighbors which is you know advice I give anybody if you're gonna move somewhere ask your neighbors I said how deep are your wells and they go all of them are over 400 feet I said well there's no DC pump on the market that can handle that which that was the the whole reasoning behind the 220 the 220 need otherwise I could have went went away from that and went with with a 110 but I would like to have a basement under my home so that I have I have room to expand and have children at some point. Um, as far as like, you know, the, the, the primary goal is just to live and, and to, to, to have that freedom that living off-grid provides and, you know, the, and in a way that sense of security. Because I know that even though if I make a mistake I'm punished for it, but if I do things well the reward is so much greater 
and it, it's hard to describe the feeling to someone that doesn't live that way. How, how good the victories feel, that, it, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, and I would encourage anyone that wants to do it, go try it. David, what have, what have you seen? I know you've talked with some different people who've come through. And oh yeah, they you know you get we, a lot of we, we get a lot about of the, uh, a lot of off grid people. They the we talked a couple of weeks ago about the nineteen year old yeah. girl mm-hmm. that that built a tiny house on her mm-hmm. uh, parents' property. Yeah. What are some of the other ones that you've? You know, I had a guy in just just earlier this week, and mm-hmm. he was uh, he travels for a living uh, mm-hmm. every now and then. Uh, He'll travel around and uh, works in about three to five months out of the year, but the rest of the time he's uh, he's living OG off grid, uh, <laughs> living in the OG, uh, and uh, as he would call it, and uh, he, he says the same things that Sam says. You know, it, we we had, him and I had talked extensively, and the other day he finally made his purchase. You know, and he and he bought the panels, he bought the controller, uh, the inverter set his system up basically the batteries he, he we did the whole system you know and like you said there's there's great reward in it because there again it's like i gave a presentation on it and it was to, to somebody that has that doesn't do it me included uh, you included wes would it not would it not be great to no longer go to the mailbox and receive an electric an electric bill every month mm-hmm. you know uh it you know uh, some people that's a big number that they're paying out every month you know and that just is a that was my uh, to situation. this guy he was you know he, he he'd been in that situation where he'd had that and he said it's just but in that uh you you've got to really mm-hmm. you got to think about your needs you got to think mm-hmm. about you know what like sam has said you know what is essential that that you need to live off of now mm-hmm. this guy you know we talked pretty extensively he said uh his panels were probably going to be capable of doing more than what his battery bank could hold you know so like like i told him i said you know during the middle of the day if your battery bank says it's full you know and you know you still have time in the day i mean that's the that's the days to ham it up that's the days to go run your saws your drills your you know your bigger equipment mm-hmm. uh, but then there's going to be that day today is one of them out here for mm-hmm. us clouds come over and and thick that's the day that you you make sure that you're just running the things that you need to run you know mm-hmm. so so, so you can be autonomous, maybe because I don't know what tomorrow is supposed to be like. Maybe it's going to be sunshine. You can't trust the weatherman, so tomorrow maybe supposed to be sunshine, maybe it's not. So mm-hmm. you just got to to plan for that. And that's that's the luxury that uh, the power grid gives, but there comes a cost with it. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's you know some people they don't want to have to plan. They don't want to do like the, like Sam. They those are the same people that you ask what the the evening news said, and they say, yeah, I don't know. Well, the the balance to that too is the you know our wind products. I right. mean that's the other right. thing too. Yeah, the, yeah. Wind is the you know we've we've said that I think a thousand times on the podcast, mm-hmm. and I'll say it a million times more. I mean it's the complement of solar. Typically in Missouri, when we talk, we typically talk about Missouri because that's where we're from. Uh, but Wes is from Georgia, so uh, uh, but he would say the same thing. When there's mm-hmm. typically when there's cloud cover, there's mm-hmm. there's wind blowing. You brought up a really good point about that light bill thing. That was one of the, when I was doing my cost averaging, our light bill in Illinois, due to the age of our home and the wiring and the cost to fix it, our light bill in the summertime was running almost $300 a month for a 1,000 square foot home. Right. And that was a huge factor. I'm like, you know, if I had a home, you know, that didn't even have that type of a power need, you know, but it's huge to not have that bill every month, you know, that's that's health insurance for somebody. Yeah. it's, It's huge. You know, and Sam Sam just brought up a, a pretty good point there about, you know, if, if you're in a home and uh, and you're on grid and, you, and you're getting a power bill and 
and you're and you're 1500 square foot or less uh, and I don't care if you're all electric I mean I don't care if you're if you're running mm -hmm. an electric dryer electric furnace the whole thing everything electric uh, if you're running more uh, this time in November October more than about hundred and fifty dollars a month uh, you need to do an energy audit you need to you need to find out what's that's drawing that you need to get a kilowatt meter first thing that's the first thing you need to do you need to get a kilowatt meter you need to find out what's drawing that power from your home and if you cannot find a, a, an appliance that's causing that you know that's giving you an overdraw you need to have the wiring checked in your home because there's somewhere that power is being dead dead thrown into the ground uh, and, and it's being literally drawn out of the power grid and giving no power to you uh, as a consumer I mean it's just you're literally paying for something that's being thrown away you know the average the average home in the United States uses 1200 kilowatts of power per month you know that's the average home uh, mm -hmm. you know for mm -hmm. for twelve thousand dollars I can I can eradicate your electric bill you know mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can start you out as cheap as a thousand dollars getting you started into that deal you know mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh so if you're if you're out listening right now and, and you you're you're hearing what we're saying and and you say well my electric bill is two hundred and fifty dollars a month and I'm only in a thousand square foot house and in my case know, it was it was an issue with the uh, the main breaker right after right. the meter that's right I had a short in there and it, it ended up getting found but it, it my wife had went like that before we got married it had been that way six or eight months yeah. we're lucky the place didn't burn down right. because as soon as I you know once we were living together and had gotten married I'm like why is our light bill this high? Right. And she'd never even thought anything about it because she grew up in a big home out in the country and it was drafty and they heated with electric and they right. had a reason to have that type of a bill. Right. But you're exactly right, David. That's a, yeah. you know, in a situation like that, you've got something dangerous going right. on that you'd want to have looked at. Yeah. Well, Sam, what, what other tidbits um, would you have? What other, if anybody was considering this, um, what would be your, my, your my number one list advice? Of, of, uh, do's don'ts avoids make sure you do this you can't water runs downhill always <laughs> you don't have any way to make it do that unless you use a pump you can never have too much firewood you can never store too much water water will freeze if it gets below 32 degrees fahrenheit you have to be prepared for that chainsaws are wonderful when you've got lots of trees <laughs> um, when it comes to cooking your food and heating your water propane is going to be a lot better for you than than solar for the most part unless you just really have a lot of money to burn um, in my case a, a propane instant hot water heater it, it, it vastly changed the amount of electricity that I was going to need you know but it, it cut the, the, the amount in half and it, it, it's a logical choice there and in terms of heat same thing you know I burn wood primarily but I have a ventless propane heater as a secondary for you know whenever I'm away from home and with that I'll be able to go pretty much all winter on a couple of hundred pound bottles and that'll be cooking my food, heating my water, everything. So that that would be my big thing is, you know, whenever you're, if you decide to do this, don't just jump into it and go, okay, I need all electric appliances all the time. You know, there are going to be times where you're going to be more cost effective to go propane. Yeah. And that that's something that, you know, as much as I'd love to sell, you know, here I'd, lo I'd love to sell any appliance that we got. But if it's going to be a smarter choice for the consumer to say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, run propane for my hot water heater I'm not going to blame you for that yeah I mean, no, that, that's if I'm if I'm giving somebody advice because I've spoken to a couple people over the phone it's like hey you know I'll, I'll sell you the grid that'll power your hot water heater but this is what I do and it works great and you know it, it helps people that, that live off grid as far as you know hearing someone else that does it 
other advice I've got, like I say, I covered the, the real basic ones there. Plan ahead. Store, you, you'll find value in things that you didn't find value in before. You know, uh, be uh, yeah, be considerate I mean, of what you of what you bring home because you have to you have to find use for right. it. Um, you're talking about you know being proactive and stuff like that. And remember too that you know you can't do it all by yourself. That's something you gotta you know people that live off grid. A lot of them are they're like you know well, I want to be by myself. There's some stuff you cannot do by yourself. You're not right. going to be you know you you can't go doing some of these tasks by yourself. And you need to ask you know your friends and neighbors for help. Because there are going to be times where they, you know, maybe they've got a backhoe, like in my situation. My neighbor had a backhoe. That made it real easy for me to put a water tank in. And, you know, that was, like right. I say, teamwork. That, that's a big one. You know, you, you got to, even though right. you, you want the solitude and the peacefulness, that's great. But that doesn't mean that you should isolate yourself to the point to where, you, you know, you don't want to be the Unabomber. <laughs> you know, you know I, I live in a tiny home, but, right. but you know, I still have a, a hot shower and things like that. So you got to... <laughs> You got to remember that people are social creatures, even if you don't necessarily like to be around them all that much. You, you gotta <laughs> don't use a typewriter with a bad yeah, letter on. Yeah, don't don't caught. use a typewriter so. with a bad letter. But okay. yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. You just uh, it's the purple paint on the fence. And and Wes, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the purple paint law, but in Missouri, the purple paint law is is no trust. It's first degree trespassing. Mm -hmm. If you cross that, if you cross that fence that's got purple paint every hundred foot. And they catch you on that. They can, you know. But what's funny is, is that guy thinks that he can cross the fence onto you, mm -hmm. and there's no repercussion for that. But you cross the fence onto his side. So remember, the the, the fence crosses both ways. You can cross the fence both ways. Yep. Well, well, great. All right. Well, Sam, thank you very much for coming in and talking with us about today. Uh, David, always appreciate you. You bet. In. No problem, Wes. I, uh, I hope I can provide more insight if anybody has questions. You know yeah, about, about any sort, about anything that that goes along with this. I'd be more than happy to try to answer them. And even better if they would like to buy stuff to put in their tiny home. You That's can right. even help them even more Shel so with that. Shel shelving, <laughs> shelving's huge. That's one other little little tidbit there. Shelving is it's amazing what shelving will do in a small home. <laughs> yeah. If they need some some off grid products though. Absolutely. Give, 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 me, give, me a, give me a call. Okay. I mean. All right. Uh, as always, we appreciate you checking out our podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Uh, always want to mention to buy stuff from us. Keeps us bringing the podcast mm -hmm. to you. And we'll bring another podcast to you in another week. And I think in that podcast, if with any luck, we're going to talk about cabling. If we don't yeah. get off topic. If we don't figure out something else and wander around on there. Cabling so. and voltage loss, is that where we're at with that? Something, maybe. We, okay. we, it'll be something to do in the cable industry as long as it'll be. Wes and I can keep on point. <laughs> but again, thank you all very much for, for showing up for us, and we appreciate you taking the time to come in and listen.